Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Adam Bailey, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in Cambridge, Massachusetts, also Maynard, Massachusetts, and he teaches uh, uh, once a week, I believe, in Amherst, New Hampshire. Uh, he's had uh, 20 years experience with the Alexander Technique, 14 years as a teacher. He has a specialty, uh, has really two areas of special specialization. One is um, the Alexander Technique and Psychological Growth, and we'll talk about that in a subsequent podcast. But he also has uh, a specialty in working with athletes. He himself has a lot of experience in skiing and horseback riding, and but today we're going to talk about the general area of sports performance and the Alexander Technique. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Robert. Adam, could you start by giving our le listeners a very short description or definition of the Alexander Technique? Yes. Um, as I see it, the Alexander Technique... It, well, it's a, it's a, there's a learning process involved. So when people come to see me, we call them students, and I call myself a teacher. And I teach them a set of skills that they can apply in their life. And the skills have to do with reducing areas of excess muscle tension and, and improving alignment so that they can carry out their activities with greater efficiency and ease. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the specific area of athletes and sports, um, I know that you have worked a lot with athletes using the technique. Yes. What would you say is the basic um, benefit for an athlete of any kind to consider taking lessons in the Alexander Technique? Well, I think one of the biggest or maybe the biggest benefit is it helps athletes learn how to not overdo. And I can even and I can describe my own experience with the Alexander technique and all the sports I've done um as an example of that. Um I growing up I always did sports. I played soccer throughout all through my school years and I also skied starting when I was nine and I started horseback riding when I was six um, and when I was a young child those sports were all fun and easy they happened I never thought about them they just were a lot of fun and then as I got older little by little for for reasons I couldn't really totally figure out um, the sports began to get more difficult and there were even days where sports felt like a huge struggle. And I didn't know why that was until I discovered the Alexander Technique. And, and what the Alexander Technique showed me was that I was putting a lot more effort into the sports than I needed to. Mm -hmm. And uh, why do you think it is that, um, do you think you were always putting more effort in from the beginning or that that tended to increase as you got older? I think it's the it was the latter. When I was a young child, I was only putting the necessary amount of effort into into the sports. Um, I was not overdoing. And then little by little, as I got older, and and coaches would say, "Okay, that time it didn't go so well. So this time, try again. Only only put a lot more elbow grease into it." 
So there were always messages like that from coaches, try harder, put more into it. And so over time, I, I started trying harder and putting more effort in. And that, without realizing it, that was the problem that was that started to arise is that I, my muscles were much more tense than they needed to be. And my performance suffered. Hmm. So that the, the instruction, and I think that's a pretty common one in, in athletics, uh, to try harder. Right. Um, in your case, and I suspect in a lot of cases had a, a negative influence on the, uh, on the outcome. And yes. to me, I mean, just, uh, Thinking about it as a as an Alexander technique teacher myself, um, a, a kind of maybe a better instruction would be try something a little different. Yes, um, and, which is and not that, what you're usually going to hear, but uh, yeah, it's not what you hear from most coaches. But it's what I tell my Alexander students who are also athletes: try something different, and also try doing less so that you can carry out the activity or the sport more easily. You know, I often think of this story, there's a story of the monkey with her hand in the bottle. I don't know if you've ever heard oh, that. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, why don't you, why don't you uh, tell our listeners about that? It's a very yeah. good one, actually. Yeah, I, I love this story because it reminds me of the way I approach sports. Anyway, the story goes that these hunters in Africa figured out a, an ingenious way to catch monkeys. And what they would do is they would tie a bottle to the base of a tree and put a piece of fruit inside the bottle. And then they'd go somewhere nearby where they could watch the bottle. And then after a while, a monkey would come out of the tree to investigate what was going on and would see the bottle and would see that it had a piece of fruit inside and would reach her hand inside the bottle and grab the piece of fruit. Problem was, now she was making a fist so she couldn't get her hand out of the bottle. And then the hunters could come and catch the monkey because she'd much rather hold on to that piece of fruit than let go of it, take her hand out of the bottle and run away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I always approach sports. It's the way a lot of us approach activities in sports is we're so focused on that goal, that piece of fruit, that we end up actually um, doing harm to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So when you, uh, when you work with people and you basically are suggesting to them that they try something different, uh, what would that different be? Can, can you say a little bit about that? Well, the first thing is I try to convince them, although this is not always easy, I try to convince them to think less about doing well or about winning and more about the way they're approaching the sport. And more specifically, that means focusing on, okay, when I'm approaching the sport, when I'm doing this sport, are there places where my muscles are tightening or where I'm getting tense? And if so, maybe I can subtract in those areas. And that, so that's one theme. Mm -hmm. The other theme is that we all as children had this alignment of our head, neck, and spine that we naturally embodied. And because of all these areas of tension that have built up, both in sports and in other activities, we start to interfere with that natural alignment. So as we're subtracting all the extra tension, the other focus is to, to rediscover that natural alignment that we all used to have, but that might have gotten lost a little bit. 
And what I find myself and what my students find is when they pursue that two-track approach, less tension, gradually improving alignment, the sport starts to get easier. And paradoxically, even though they're not focusing on winning, they start to do a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so an, another way um, perhaps of saying that, <clears throat> excuse me, is that you're you're asking them to focus on the process that they're using to perform the sport. That's right. More than just getting getting whatever number of swimming laps or miles running or whatever right. uh, or going faster. Um you're asking them to start paying attention to themselves as they do the sport making that a bit of the the focus of what they're doing yes yeah and that does go i I guess i'm sure i'm i'm sure you've run into it and you alluded to that and i think any alexander technique teacher who works with athletes has run into the fact that in general the emphasis in fitness regimes of any kind is quantity not yes. quality so much. So faster, more, longer, longer workouts, whatever. And there's often little, if any, attention paid to how the athlete uh, does what he or she is doing. Yes. And of course, that's in one sense. That's what our work, what the Alexander technique is all about. It's about process. It's about the process, and it's also it, it, it's an interesting kind of thing that happens. When we start to focus on the process and less on the goal, it doesn't mean we give up the goal, and it doesn't mean we give up that certain number of laps that we've always done or that certain workout we've always done. It just means that while we're doing it, we're thinking about our approach and how tense we're getting and how well we're staying aligned. And now, the, again, the interesting paradox is if we can focus on the process, as you say, then the goal starts coming by itself, and we don't have to focus on that as much. So that's the interesting the, – if we change the process, if we change the means that we're trying to get to the goal, then we can, we, we can approach the goal more easily. I wonder if you could um, – uh, Give give our listeners a specific example of an athlete that you've worked with in in one of the in, in whatever sport they've worked with that would bring that would illustrate this maybe a little more concretely. Okay. Um, well, I can think of one skier that I worked with who there the issue was not so much um, focusing on winning; it was more. The, this this skier had a lot of fear, and she she when when I first saw her, she said that she had been skiing with fear for many years. And what we did is a couple things. I worked with her on skiing skills. I taught her um, about the, her breaks, and because I always say when I work with skiers, I always say the first thing we have to do is develop breaks because if we can't if we don't have confidence that we can stop then we're not going to enjoy the rest of our skiing. So we worked on some specific skiing skills. But but I also did Alexander Technique hands-on with her. And she also had lessons in the office, so she knew how to do, how to pursue the Alexander Technique. And what she found was 
first of all, she discovered that one of the re- that she was getting tense when she was skiing, and that that the tension was related to her fear. So, in other words, there was an emotional aspect to the to the skiing for her, namely fear, and there was a physical aspect. The fear translated into muscle tension. So when I did hands-on work with her, actually on the ski slope, we'd stop halfway down the hill and and I'd do some hands-on with her and she'd think about the Alexander technique and take her mind off her fear. What began to happen is that her physical state changed, she became less tense, and her fear changed, she became calmer and less fearful. And she said basically that having these Alexander Technique skiing lessons led to a a real breakthrough for her, that was her word, because it was a different way of dealing with her fear in relation to the skiing. You know, in, in, in listening to that description, I wonder if, if you would agree with this, and I'm kind of talking off the top of my head here, but someone who, in that situation who has fear of an activity, in this case skiing, it's prob- probably not that easy to work directly on the fear as, as it might be noticing the muscular tension that the fear has, that's associated with the fear, and releasing that tension, which of course the Alexander Technique would be pretty effective in helping you do, and kind of getting at the fear in a slightly indirect way. Does that make sense to you? Or is there a, do you have a different sense of how that works? No, I think you're absolutely right. I think that telling someone to stop being so fearful or trying to approach their fear directly, or telling them to relax. Those things, in my experience, don't work. But if we can, if we can pursue the Alexander technique, which is indirect, it's not directly addressing the fear, but it is a very concrete process which changes the person's physical state, then eventually that has an effect on their emotions, too. Mm-hmm. So, so it's both very concrete and indirect. And I find that combination to be very effective in helping people to change what they're doing. And for for a, an athlete whose issue is not fear, but perhaps some habitual overdoing as a result of, I guess we could say faulty coaching, perhaps, or just whatever reason, um, for them to cut back on that overdoing they're probably probably the way that's going to work is they're going to you can get them to notice the muscular the additional muscular tension that's associated with that overdoing and and address that rather than the mental the mental say overdoing directly does that make sense too or absolutely yeah yeah and and you know there's another thing I'd like to uh, jump in here with um I think that uh uh people who teach uh, sports or exercises or whatever um they they uh they may have an expertise in the in the area they're teaching so a skiing instructor for example is we would assume probably going to be a pretty decent skier, him or herself. Right. right. But I think it's a bit much 
for us to also expect that that same person is going to be uh, an expert in coordination. They may yeah. have very good coordination. Absolutely. But they may not. Ex- they may not be too clear. Uh, they may be ver- fortunate in not having acquired harmful habits that get in their own way. But to but to expect them to be a teacher of a more efficient coordination is quite a different thing. Um, for the yes. most part, a skiing instructor or a swimming instructor or whatever uh, isn't going to really have that ability. And I think it's really important for people who take instruction in those fields to to be aware of the, the possibility that they may want to supplement their lessons in whatever, uh, skiing, swimming, running, whatever, with some lessons in how to coordinate themselves to do anything, including those activities. Yes, that's absolutely right, Robert. I often say that in any sport or playing the violin or what have you, but let's focus on the sports, the athlete is really working on two sets of skills. There are the tech, the, the, you know, there are the technical skills related to riding the horse. You know how to put the bridle and saddle on, how to sit in the saddle, how to ask the horse to do certain things, etc. Um, and then there are also what I call the silent skills. That is the skills of how the athlete is using herself in order to carry out the technical skills of the sport. And as you're saying, most coaches and teachers of sports focus on the technical skills and not so much on the on those silent skills although the teachers themselves they've gotten very good at it they probably have those silent skills taken care of that is to say they're using their bodies in an optimal way um, to carry out the sport but they might not know how to teach that and that's really where the alexander technique comes in it it teaches the athlete how to use herself optimally in order to carry out the sport. And and when I teach people a combination of skiing and Alexander technique or horseback riding and Alexander technique, I'm doing a combination of both. Although I'd say I probably focus more on the use skills, those silent skills of how the person uses their body than I do on the technical skills. Mm-hmm. Um. Adam, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to uh, talk about before we come to an end? Well, um, you were asking about, say, skiers that I work with where the issue is not so much fear, but the issue might be overdoing. Um, What I do just briefly with those skiers, and this is something I've worked on a lot myself, let's say I'm working with a more advanced skier. There the focus is on learning how to use one's legs for the turns in the skiing. In other words, one's knees and ankles are doing a lot of movements where they're going side to side and you're using your edges in order to make the turns of the skiing. And at the same time, what what I'm teaching there is I'm teaching the person how to align their head, neck, and spine so that their upper body stays still and is slightly separate from all the movement of their legs. And it's interesting because if you watch Olympic skiers, 
there's a lot of movement in their hands and their legs, and their head, neck, and back stays very still. If you saw only their head, neck, and back, it's barely moving as they're racing down the slope. And that's something that we can learn. We can learn how to align our head, neck, and back so that it stays still and so that it stays separate from the rest of the activity as we're carrying it out. Mm-hmm. And and in order for it to, to stay stable and, let's say, quiet in the way you're talking about, that's going to require uh, the, the, the athlete to be paying attention to what's going on in the upper part of their body. And I'm going to guess that in skiing, um, there's a strong temptation to have most of the attention on the legs and hips. Yes. And I know that talking with uh, Malcolm Bach, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in Montreal, who works a lot with runners, uh, that's something that, that he, he he's mentioned as well with runners, that most runners think mostly about their legs, their lower body. Yeah. Because that's where the action all seems to be. Right. But at some cost to the way in which they coordinate themselves. That is, a lot of the, uh, a lot, well, certainly the head, neck, torso, upper torso area uh, is really crucial for for general coordination. Yes, and, and I also think that if, as you say, if we focus, if the athlete focuses on the coordination of head, neck, and back, that gives them support so that they can carry out the movement with their legs, whether it's the runner who's running or the skier who's doing the turns. Certainly in both those cases and in many other sports, the legs are important. And as you say, the, often the athlete neglects their head, neck, and back. And, and if they can start to pay attention to their head, neck, and back, again, they get a lot of support from those areas in order to carry out the, the sport more easily. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, the a, anyone who has Alexander lessons is going to pretty quickly discover that uh, the head, neck, back, uh, well, the relationship, say, between the head, neck, and back is of prime importance uh, in in what they're going to be learning. Yes, um, uh, Adam, I uh, I think this might be a good place to 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 end the podcast. Um, right. My my guest today has been Adam Bailey, who is an Alexander uh, Technique teacher in Cambridge and Maynard, Massachusetts. He also teaches regularly in Amherst, New Hampshire, and he uh, has a, a couple of specialties. One, um, the Alexander Technique and psychological growth. And the one that we've been talking about uh, here, the Alexander Technique and, and sports, particularly uh, skiing and horseback riding. So if you're in, in, the, in the Cambridge, Maynard, Amherst, New Hampshire area, uh, give, give Adam a call. We'll put a link to his website by the interview. And if what we've been talking, if you live somewhere else and what we've been talking about uh, intrigues you, uh, Locate a teacher in your area and uh, have a few lessons and 
uh, I think you'll you'll have a really concrete idea of what uh, what we've been talking about. Adam, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're welcome, Robert. Thank you very much for having me.